Good afternoon, K Tahoe AM and FM. It's time for the bright side with Alexis Robin. Good afternoon, Jen. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. Can you believe only two weeks till school starts? No, I don't want to go there yet. Nevada kids went back today. Oh. God bless them. Uh, no, poor guys. Two more weeks of summer, and we're going to savor every moment. Yep. So today, we are back to talking about lessons from a kitchen remodel, part deux, or part two. And uh, just all lots of fun things, met- good metaphors for life that we learned uh, going through our kitchen remodel. So being a life and business coach, you know, as you go through life, often you see things uh, in metaphors and you think, oh, isn't this a great metaphor for life? And so there's a handful of little lessons that I learned. I shared some of them um, a couple weeks ago and uh, we talked about how to make anything work. But uh, today we're going to talk about a handful of other small lessons that I learned in the process. And um, now I'm just, you know, one lesson, which isn't on my list, but I'll share as a as a starter is uh, learning to savor. So now we, we the kitchen's done. It's beautiful. All the knobs are on. Everything is pretty much put away. There's still one box in the garage, but um, but we're really starting to savor and enjoy the kitchen. You know, we're not taking it for granted. We're really enjoying it. And so nice. when you work hard for something, it's very important not to just move on to the next thing which I have to laugh at myself as we're now redoing my daughter's room, but it's important to really savor and honor the thing that you just created. And so, um, and to notice all the nice little things and, and to talk about it and, uh, and to just enjoy it. So, uh, that is one tiny little extra credit lesson from a kitchen remodel. I like that little bonus for free. Little bonus, little freebie. So, uh, so the first thing, or technically the second thing I learned about my kitchen remodel is that I didn't need a stove. So we were going to, um, we set up like a a long time ago, we had a microwave. (laughs) We don't cook a lot in the microwave, so we're not really good microwave cookers. Um, we barbecue a lot. So we thought, well, we can use the barbecue for all the meats and stuff. Um, but we'll still want to get a camping stove to boil water, to make pasta, that kind of a thing. And the first camping stove we bought, we actually took it camping, and one of the connectors, one of the gas connectors, didn't work, so just one side worked. So it was a big bummer. Went back to the store where we bought it to exchange it for another one, and they were out of stock. Of and so it was like, darn it. And so... Um, so then we kind of looked around on Amazon. Then it was like, oh, do we really want one? And, you know, next thing you know, we made it through the whole remodel without a stove. And I learned that you can actually steam vegetables in tinfoil on the grill. Yeah. I mean, you could do a lot on the grill. We never put our uh, pots on the grill because I didn't want to ruin them. Yeah. Kind of nice pots. But, um, but yeah, so, you know, there are many different ways to do things. And that's, um, that's kind of the lesson here from you don't need a stove is that in life, there are many different ways to do things. So it's important to think about why do I always do it this way? Why do I always cook on a stove? If I didn't have a stove, how could I do it? So what in your life are you feeling like, well, I don't have that, so I can't do something. And what might you be able to think like, oh, well, I don't have that, but how could I do it anyway? Right. Good question. So we had um, this weekend, we went to the startup and tech mixer uh, down in San Francisco, which is a huge technology conference uh, mixer that happens every quarter. And they have a great speaker series and the speaker series uh, this time had Chip Connolly who wrote Peak and he was the uh, CEO of Joie de Vivre and now he owns um, or now he's managing uh, in a senior leadership role at Airbnb 
And then uh, Fred Kaufman spoke, and he was just fantastic. And he talked about um, taking uh, taking, uh, unconditional responsibility for things. So um, what made me think about this is, you know, now that I don't have a stove, how will I do something? He made the comment, you know, at work, we're always blaming people. Well, they won't give me the report, so I can't do my work. Mm-hmm. How can I do my work if I don't have my report? You know, it's, the, it's not my fault. I don't have the report. They won't give it to me. And one of the things he said was, well, now that you can't get the report, what are you going to do about it? Right? What are you going to do? And it's like you're still responsible, even sure. though the person's not giving it to you, you're still responsible to come up with a solution, right? You can't, we can't just blame everybody else. So yeah. I'll talk more about all his fascinating and great things, um, maybe next week, but, uh, but anyhow, it's just, you know, when you're thinking about things like now that I don't have this, how can I do that? Um, ask yourself that question. Cause it may turn out that there's a lot of different ways you could do it. You know, there's a ton of different ways you could find out the information or that you could make something happen. So, so lesson one, uh, I don't need a stove. There are many different ways to do things in life. Now, um, the second thing that happened is one day I came home and I had this visual of how high my cabinets were going to be. And I thought they were going to be flush with the soffit. We have like kind of a drop soffit ceiling. Mm -hmm. Anyhow, um, And so when I came home, they were lower than that. And I thought, oh, no, they're too low. But they had all been hung, right? And so then the alternative was call, have them taken all down, and then have them raised up. Well, the lesson I learned here is that things are not always what they seem. So um, they were low for a significant reason, and then there was space left for the crown molding. Uh, which I didn't quite understand how that was all going to work. But it's um, but this is something that's really important is that things are not always the way they seem. And if we come into a situation where we see something and we think that it's wrong and we immediately go into that panic mode of like, oh, my gosh, it's wrong. It was supposed to be this way. You're supposed to put the eggs in before the milk. I mean, you know, or what have you, um, you really risk creating a whole bunch of trouble for nothing. Mm -hmm. Right. And you risk upsetting people. And it's basically this idea of going in and assuming that you know what's going on. Yeah. Right. And so when we see things that don't look right to us, which happens often, I mean, that can happen a lot. It could be in a meeting. It could be in uh, the way something's shaking out at work. It could be in the way something's happening at school with your kids. Um, We just don't know. It's important to think to yourself like, hmm. I can't be 100% sure that things are the way that they seem. I can't be 100% sure that this is wrong or that it's not supposed to be this way or there's something going on that I'm not aware of, right? Yep. There's some part of this that I don't have the skill set, the know-how, the understanding to grasp. And so with that lack of information, to me, it looks wrong. Yep. So, um, so this is really where you, um, seek first to understand, right? Be more curious than you are critical. So I could have come in and gone, Oh my gosh, the cabinets aren't the right height. And then immediately started, you know, calling contractors and, you know, journeymen and craftsmen and, Oh, what's happening? You know? And it was like, no, let's just (laughs) wait a minute. Let's just take a few steps back and let's start asking some questions. Let's see if we can get some more information. 
So in doing that, um, what we found out was there was actually a great plan for the crown molding and that that's the height that the they were supposed to be. And if and in fact, if they had been higher than that, it would have been hard for me to reach the shelves <laughs> in hindsight. So, I mean, it's just all these things that people who are professionals think about that you don't. But then you come in and it's not the way you originally assumed it was going to be. And then it throws you for a loop. So it's very important to just remind yourself as soon as you start to freak out about something like things are not always the way they seem. Exactly. So just take a few deep breaths. And if they're not, if you're not sure what's going on, start asking questions. Just start asking questions. That's all you need to do. Get more information. Get some different viewpoints. But um, not necessary to go crazy right away. Good advice. So the next thing I learned uh, is that the counter really does need to be sanded. Now, our contractor was awesome. He came in. We did butcher block countertops, and he came in, and um, he let us do a bunch of our own work. He was really great to work with, and he said, um, you know, put on this many coats of this, and, you know, da-da-da. And then he came in, and he said, oh, um, we need to do one more sanding. And we were kind of like at the end of the kitchen remodel and we were kind of done and we were ready to just accept it for the way it was. <laughs> and he was like, you really need to sand it. Like we're going to sand it. And so then we were like, eh, maybe we don't need to. And the lesson I learned there, the great metaphor in life is that you need to trust the professionals <laughs> because he came back in and said, you didn't sand the counters. And we said, no. And uh, we said, we thought they were fine. He said, no, they're going to be hard to clean. He said, I'll be back. You know, he came back Monday, took 15 minutes, sanded it. And then we did our last coat and I'll be if they are not super awesome now, <laughs> you know, but I mean, who would have known? Because I didn't know any difference. I had no point of reference. So the, um, so the lesson there is you have to trust the professionals you have. I mean, there's a reason they get paid, right? That's right. They make, they make the big bucks. They know what they're doing. Yeah. So, and I mean, this is in any kind of, um, any kind of industry that you're in. If you are going to the dentist and the dentist says, Hey, you should floss every day because gum disease is a bummer. You know, you should trust that. It's not like, oh, I've never flossed. I'm fine. Yeah. Right? Yeah, or, you're not usually getting a kickback from the floss company. Right. Or, hey, you should change your oil every four to 5,000 miles, depending on what kind of car you have. Might be three, might be 10. But, you know, it's like there's a reason for that. And I think so many times in life, especially now that everything's so readily available on YouTube and do-it-yourselfing and all that, it's like we kind of think, you know, oh, it that's that doesn't apply to me. Right. Yeah. And I think we're also living in an age where we think people are kind of trained to think they're trying to get more out of us. Yeah, we get, and we get skeptical and that kind of a thing. And it's like, I mean, that is true. And so the reality is, and I mean, I don't think that was the case with the sanding because no. it would have not really no, made I don't it. think it's the case in most things. We're just but it skeptical is, people. Yeah. But I mean, it's like, and I think it, it may also be the case because we're so busy. So it's just like, oh, let's just skip that step or let's just not do that. But I mean, there is, you know, and, and sometimes too, it's like, oh, I can do this myself. I could, I could create this myself. And then you watch the professionals do it and you're like, wow, like not only is it 10 times better than I could ever do it, yeah. but it's like 10 times faster. Right. So end of the day, trust the professionals, trust the professionals. They know what they're talking about. And then, um, the next thing I learned is that you shouldn't suffer before you need to. 
So, oh, we're so good at that, though. Aren't we so good at that? We're so so we had um, this situation where we had we took out all the shelves because we put in a uh, one of those fancy pants uh, on-demand water heaters, mm-hmm. you know, so it doesn't continue to run the gas yeah. all day. And so we had to take all of our shelving out. And we have very little storage in the house, very, very little storage in the house to start with. And... So I asked our guy, I said, can you please build me some shelves? He said, sure. And so we didn't really even talk about the design. I just trusted him because he's a professional. And so he built these awesome shelves. But when I came home, I looked at him and I went, ooh, those look smaller than the ones I had before. Like, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to fit everything. That makes me nervous. And so then I was suffering, right, for like a day and a half before I got everything unpacked and put back. I was totally suffering about... um, you know, how nothing was going to fit on the shelves and it wasn't big enough. And, you know, even though they looked really nice and they were, you know, very tidy, it, it just, I thought, oh no, oh no. And I suffered all this time only to find out that everything fits perfectly. And I have a little extra space. <laughs> so the lesson here is do not suffer before you need to. We do this thing where we, we have, um, what I, what I learned from Martha Beck to call dirty pain or dirty fear, which is this whole idea of, you know, you are afraid to walk in the woods because you're afraid to see a bear, like dirty fear. You are walking in the woods and you see a bear clean fear, right? So there's a difference And dirty fear is when you're afraid of something that hasn't happened yet. Right. Oh, I'm afraid if I don't have this much money in my bank that, you know, we might lose our house. Okay, that's, you know, you could use that fear to fuel you to be practical and to be conscious. But if you're suffering every day because you're short in your savings account and you're convinced that you're going to lose your house, even though you have plenty of money each month to pay your mortgage, um, it's unnecessary suffering. Yeah. And so don't suffer before you need to. And then finally, um, last but not least, is the lesson that everything is fixable. That's right. So we did a lot of our own. Uh, we had like all the hard, like technical stuff done by contractors. And then all the kind of easy stuff like hanging the doors, putting the hinges, um, all that kind of stuff. Uh, my husband did the majority of it. I helped a little bit. But so um, at one point we had, when I did the design, I did the design with the door facing the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. on one of them. So he referenced the design to put this one cabinet door on. Well, then when we got home, we realized that the door was facing the wrong way and he had already drilled in the handle. And so it was like, oh no. And he even said like, oh darn it. Like I kind of thought that was wrong, but I looked at the design and you know, I didn't want to deviate from the design. So I just figured we'd go there. And you know, it was like, oh, and I was so disappointed at first. I was just, you know, devastated. Oh, no, it's wrong. What are we going to do? And so then it was like, okay, well, now we'll just have to wait until we can get back and get our, our cabinet from Ikea and get it fixed and replaced. And, you know, and my husband, in his infinite wisdom, pulls the door off, flips it upside down, drills new holes for a handle, and then takes my white artist tape, because we have white cabinets, and he just tapes over the holes. And they're way at the top by the ceiling. And he's like, now it's fixed. And now, like, you don't have to have the door facing the wrong way for the next month and a half until we get back down to Ikea. Because, you know, the closest one's in Sacramento, for those of you who aren't local listening. (laughs) Um, And so I was like, that's so great. And so um, now, just because we decided that we're going to just keep it a little bit longer, because it's kind of our, like, one little funny thing that 
that went wrong. But everything's fixable is the point. Um, you know, so it goes wrong. Big deal. It might cost you a little bit of money, might cost you a little bit of time, but it's not worth having a total mental breakdown over it because it's all fixable. Exactly. So if you're stressing about something right now, just know that it's fixable. That's right. Even the worst, hardest things that you go through are fixable. So, um, so hang in there with that. So those are my lessons from a kitchen remodel. Uh, I hope that some of these will serve as good metaphors for you in your life. Um, where at the end of it, we feel like it was a super fun experience and, uh, we would do it all over again. And I definitely, I think in kind of one last one, sorry, I'm going to tack one on at the end is set up your guiding principles ahead of time. So we, before we started, we had a conversation about what would be, you know, important to us in the remodel. We were going to communicate effectively and kindly to each other. We weren't going <laughs> to yell at each other, or, you know, talk to each other like we didn't know anything. And um, so we promised to talk to each other with respect and be open to all ideas and that we wouldn't cheap out on something if it, you know, long term, it could be a good investment. And so um, having those guiding principles up front really helped guide the remodel and keep us successful and um, and organized and on the right track. So um, so there you go. Got them all in a basket. Uh, Lessons from a Kitchen Remodel Part 2. This is Alexis Robin with p Coaching Center for Excellence, and your ex- local life coach and executive coach. And we look forward to seeing you on our website. If you'd like to check us out, peelingcoachingcenter.com and on KTHO Facebook page. Check us out. Thank you very much. Thanks, Jen. I just got to ask a question. Are you, do you still get that happy feeling every time you walk in and look oh, at it? yes. <laughs> Even every time I switch on a light switch or turn oh on the God. stove, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so awesome. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Fun feeling, fun feeling. But thank you so much. And we'll see you next week. Same time, same place. Sounds good. You've been listening to The Bright Side with Alexis Robin here on K Tahoe AM and FM.